0: Don't rush into creating an online course because especially like a cohort based course where there's a live component to it, it's, that's a lot of pressure and a, and a lot actually it's more, more than the pressure. It's a lot of work to make it successful.
1: Andrew Barry has helped creators like Ali Abdal create their online courses. Hey everyone, I'm Akta, and in today's episode of Creators on Air, I spoke to Andrew about all things online courses, from when to launch one, how much to charge, and what makes a good online course.
0: So I've kind of been in the B2B you know, consulting world, f- specifically for learning, for about 15 years. Um, so very kind of spent a lot of time, a lot of experience working um, and seeing what works with, from a from a learning perspective and a teaching perspective. Um, and so I think at the end of 2020, I think is when I started tweeting about some of those things, um, and, and sort of aiming it at, uh, helping people create courses. Um, I was also, I'm a course nerd myself. So I just take like online courses all the time and spend way too much money on them. <laughs> um, and, and so, and I had the opportunity to kind of work with some really great course creators doing that. Ali Abdal was one of the first ones and. Um, I helped him with his uh, very first cohort, um, with their like peer mentoring part of it. It was a great, great experience, and um, and from there, just started working with a lot of course creators, uh, and then ran that course that I mentioned. Um, that was at the beginning. It was almost exactly a year ago, April
1: 2021. And is creating online courses something that you think all creators should be doing?
0: Um, I want to say yes, but so it's not something you should rush into. Uh, okay. It's definitely it's definitely something um, I recommend everyone does because teaching something is the best way to learn it, right? Mm-hmm. So it and that's I mean I've that's been proven in my life over and over again, and I think anybody who has and it could be just teaching your your parents how to you know uh, how to use the internet, right? Like any, little things like that. Like you 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 have to understand it a lot a lot better when you have to teach it to someone try explaining something to a 5 year old right It's that like that whole feynman technique so so it's, it's one of the best ways to learn uh, but the the butt part is that it don't rush into creating an online course cuz especially like a cohort based course where there's a live component to it it's that's a lot of pressure and a, and a lot actually it's more more than the pressure it's a lot of work to make it successful um it it requires building an audience and you know getting pretty good at sales and copywriting and marketing there's a lot of lot of aspects to it so what i always recommend to people is is rather teach in public right like people say like learn in public and it's that's actually kind of the same thing is teach people what you're learning or the thing that you're good at but also like use it as a way to keep learning about that Mm -hmm. thing um and so i i'm doing this now in the learning culture stuff we I write a newsletter once a week and it's just, it, it's like my forcing function to go and research something I'm interested in that's relevant to that, uh, that space. And then I write about it and, and share it with people. And so I'm expanding my knowledge. And I'm also attracting like-minded people who are interested in it. And I think the biggest lesson <clears throat> that I've learned <clears throat> going back to like the course that I ran for course creators and now, now this sort of more B2B focused stuff is that you've got to give it time. Like just that process is so worth it of just clarifying your thinking, um, finding like-minded people, kind of building a community around it. It's so, so valuable and and, and just give it time. You know, the, the course will come.
1: Definitely. And for creators who are growing their audience and have quite a reasonable audience size, at what point do you think they should feel ready to start an online course? Is it down to numbers or what what is, what is what's relevant here?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so there's no no set number. Um, I think the best way to do it, it it's, it's obviously easier for someone who has a decent-sized audience already um, and, and can the, the first thing I recommend they can do, and this is so much easier when you have a big audience, is to test the demand for the thing that you want to teach. And the best way to do that is to ask people, but e- even more, you can ask them or invite them to a workshop on that thing right? That, that's like, that's the easiest thing. Cause then it also forces you to kind of provide some kind of value in, you know, 60 minutes or whatever, um, which is tough to do. So like it really, you have to like get very clear on what, what value you're going to deliver to people. And that's, that's often what I recommend starting with is put together a workshop and say, Hey, I'm going to teach you how to do this thing. And we could talk about like how to frame that as well. Cause that's also important. But the, but, but just like that process you'll see by how many people show up to it, how engaged people are. And then the best part is you'll see, you'll get all the questions people have. And that's what your course will be about. I, I, I like I almost guarantee people that the what they think their course is when they first design that workshop is not at all what it's actually going to be, because people will have certain questions that you didn't even know. Because you have this like beginners' mind you don't have beginners' mindset when you're yeah. like a bit more experienced. And so you won't even know like, what, what are the things people struggle with? And so I, it's happened to me all the time where the course just takes shape because of those questions.
1: That's a really good point about the beginner's mindset. And so when somebody yeah. decides that they do want to start a course or even a workshop, how do they go about planning that? Like what sort of structure should they be considering?
0: Mm. So I always say, so start with thinking about what the transformation is gonna be. So what, what can you promise people will be able to do differently? by the end of it and the more specific you can get on that the better um and it's also and i suppose the other thing is it's it needs to be specific but also it needs to be a benefit to the person that that you're teaching the group of people you're teaching not you know i will teach you how to use xyz it it's i will you know it's it's, it's not like i will teach you how to use notion it'll it'll be like i teach you how to i will teach you how to you know effectively manage your task list And then it happens to be using Notion, right? But, like, the thing that people are most interested in is how to be more productive, how to, you know, find more time in their day to spend time with their family. Like, those are the things people are signing up for. And so that's the transformation. And then the the other thing is the vehicle for transformation. So then it's like, okay, we have a system in Notion. I'm going to teach you the system or whatever that that case may be. So thinking about your, your transformation and then your vehicle for transformation is a great starting point. Once people, so now you've got your North Star, right? That's like the, the transformation. Um, you want to then sort of map the journey of like step-by-step step how it's going to happen. And here's where like those questions that we talked about are, are super helpful, right? That beginner's mindset that you can get from your audience. Like what do people struggle with? So is it like using the Notion example again? Is it like figuring out Notion, like understanding databases or, or is that okay, that's already assumed, then we can move on to more advanced stuff. Like sort of knowing where people start from is key. In fact, that's actually like a learning principle of prior knowledge is the, one of the most important inputs into designing a learning program. So know where people are starting from and then map out that journey. And so you've got like point A, where they're coming in from and point B is that transformation. And you've got to like try and fill in as much detail and the gaps between without falling to the trap of sort of expert curse like, you know, jumping to conclusions or or making assumptions that are not explicit and that kind of thing.
1: And it's really interesting that you're talking about expert guess, because I'm sure a lot of people who haven't done a course before will have to deal with imposter syndrome when starting one. Is that something that you see online creators dealing with when they do start courses? And how do you kind of encourage them to overcome it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I dealt with that with, with my program with 150 people. Ali Abdal dealt with that. And I think still does you know with his program and he has you know millions of people following him and um it's no matter how big your audience no matter how much um, expertise you have in the thing there is i think there's always imposter syndrome and i think the roots of that is is knowing and this is like the good part is that you knowing that you don't know everything right accepting that you don't know everything and that's actually a good thing. That's actually, that's what a lifelong learner is. That's why you're going to keep learning because you don't know, you, you accept you don't know everything. But it also comes with that downside of like, oh, someone's going to ask me a question and I'm not going to have the answer, you know, or I'm going to get caught out and they're going to have a different way. And um, so that's like the flip side of the coin. Um, so to answer your second question, how do you deal with that? It's just, I, honestly, I think it's just accepting that um, and dealing with it in a in sort of a authentic vulnerable, humble way to the point, like I'll get super specific, like if those questions come up, cause they probably will just say, you know what? I don't have a great answer for you right now. I need to go do a bit more research on it and then do that and go back to that person with like this kick-ass, like unbelievably well-researched answer. And they will, they will, you know, be, they'll be your fan for life, right? Cause you went to that effort and you really, Made something clear for them.
1: I love that answer. That's a great answer. And um, <laughs> when you are dealing with courses, obviously you've mentioned already that there's things like cohort-based courses. You've got things like video classes, workshops. There's different kind of models almost for courses. So how yeah. should creators go about deciding what sort of course they're going to deliver to their audience?
0: So I think the I think the best way I often, this is what I recommend to most people, is to start with a live type of uh, program, right? Something that you can get people together and you can um, you can learn from them while they're learning from you because so you're getting those you know that feedback and those um, the the questions that they have and it's the best way to shape your course I think I think people too often jump into like creating a self-paced type of thing like record a bunch of videos put that out there and like it can work and I've had some really great ones that are like that, but I'm pretty sure most of those people started maybe not with an, a formal course, but just by having conversations with people and teaching them live one, one-on-one even right. And kind of going through that process uh, and then seeing what resonates, what questions people have. And it just, it makes that end product so much better. Um, so that was the order I did it in. It was it, the the self-paced course that I put out after my live thing was, was, definitely so much better because it, it was like half of it was the experiences that i would had in that in that live program
1: yeah and getting all that user feedback
0: exactly exactly which you, which you get in the moment you know like that it's not even like you know the survey at the end or anything like that it's, it's like in the interactions during those live sessions um where you're just like oh you know what? that's that's what people are asking about or that's what's resonating um that's what your course should be about
1: But we've also seen creators like Ali Abdal create Skillshare courses alongside his own courses. Do you think there's a place Mm. for doing things like that alongside your own courses?
0: Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think in Ali's case, like his his Skillshare stuff was, um, at least initially, I think was sort of on the you know studying like study techniques and that kind of thing which he had been teaching live in Cambridge for for years before that right like he that, that he'd, yeah right like so like that it's all still there like he he knew what worked and what didn't work and he was able to mm-hmm. then package that knowledge there and, and I'm sure that's true for then a lot of his um his his you know more recent stuff as well it's kind of accumulated experience that that gets packaged up there um Yeah, I'm just trying to think like if it, I I don't want to dissuade people from putting out um, self-paced courses because some people know their stuff so well and, you know, have been working or like consulting with people, coaching people and, you know, have have that. So that that experience all counts, right? And Mm -hmm. that can absolutely be packaged and put into a product. And yes, it's great to have a product out there working for you. You know, I get the Slack notification every now and then. It pops up in the middle of the night and you wake up and you made a sale right and so like that you definitely that that's appealing and 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 there is there is some something to say about packaging your wisdom like that
1: and speaking of Ali Abdal, since that's how we both met um you helped him with his course part-time youtuber academy and I'm interested how exactly you did help him with that course
0: yeah so uh he so I, it was funny. Like I think I someone tweeted um, when he was gonna do his first one, um, and I responded saying, so like, "Oh, I'm signing up for it. I'm, I'm super excited for this." And he responded like ten minutes later, saying, um, "You know, he he's like, I'm. I don't think I don't know if he said it in the tweet, but he's he was like, I'd love to pick your brain and and see if you can help because I'd been, you know i been writing about this stuff for a bit now. And, um, so first of all, I was blown away because I didn't know he would even followed me on on Twitter. Um, And so we jumped on a call and we were just chatting and and I was just sharing ideas around how he can scale basically by using, and and then the, the other part was this idea that I was writing about then called destination and journey groups. So having, you know, he sets the destination and the sort of big live sessions that he does is the destination group. So that's like, he's like got, you know, the, these are the 11 things, steps you need to follow. You know, I don't think it's 11 in his case, but like, you know you know what I mean? He maps out the whole journey and he can take you through it over those course of those live sessions. But everyone who goes through your course, they're just struggling. They're just trying to figure out how to get to step two, you know, from step one or like, or, you know, wherever, from four to five or from five, you know, like where people are on that spectrum. And it's impossible for him in his position to help every single one of those people at that scale, right? It's like absolutely impossible. So he and and I think this was freaking him out at the time. He was like, "I don't know what I'm getting myself into here. Like, there's going to be so many people, and like, you can't help everyone in a in one you know live session that 300 people are in." And so we started. Um, and so I was sharing the way to do that is through journey groups. So you 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 have smaller groups of peers that are kind of come together around similarities, like they're at some similar stage or a similar audience size or whatever the case is. And you have a peer mentor that's leading them. And that person is also only one or two steps ahead. Not, you know, Ali Abdal level. Like they're one or two steps ahead because it's so much easier to learn from someone who's just been through what you're going through right now, right? Um, and so, yeah. So basically, you know, I, I, I pitched that idea to him and he was like, okay, can you help me do this? You know, like, and he, he you know, you let me go into the course for free. And like, you know, so we, and that relationship expanded a bit and I helped him kind of, get the group of mentors together. I mean, an amazing, you know, he he found all the people that he knew from his network, just an amazing group of, of mentors. Um, and I just helped them kind of set up the the structure for it. Like, what does a good mentor session look like? That kind of thing. And then they just ran with it and have taken that to a whole new level, like every single cohort.
1: Definitely. And I, I did PTYA with you. And one of the things that I loved most about it was that community aspect, which came about from mm. being in peer groups with people that were, similar to me um how else do you think courses can create that community aspect because that's what i find a lot of people enjoy about doing cohort-based courses is that community aspect
0: Mm. yeah so in my world of of corporate uh like sort of b2b training there's this thing there's this idea of communities of practice and communities of interest and so we've been talking about communities of practice where you're coming together you're like working on you know maybe it's Maybe it's like your production of your of your setup at home, right? There's the the studio quality, and so people like that, you know, getting together on that and making changes. Maybe it's like scripting, you know, coming up with a good hook. Like so, that's the specific parts of the practice for for making YouTube videos. Um, then communities of interest was, I think, something they also do well is just having like what are the things you're interested in, like uh, productivity, you know, like all the people that are interested to to making videos about productivity, like books uh you know sports like whatever the thing is so having the way for people to to go and and sort of pair up or not even pair up like group together around those interests is huge so that that was like a small thing but it makes a huge difference because it just again just creates that feeling of community and connection amongst people and it's probably different to the 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 peer group you're in right so like now you're meeting more people um so that's that's huge the other thing I'll say is we talked about this a lot when I was working together with his team was how do you increase the surface area of connections for each individual? and the best way to do that is through one on one interactions, right or like one to a small many of of people um and so then you can start to look at the whole the whole cohort, the program of like four or five weeks and say. Well, how do we take, how do we make sure each individual gets exposure to as many different people as possible? And so then you've got things like the feedback, you know, so uh, where people post feedback and now you've got you know new people coming in and, and reading your stuff and giving feedback on it. And so there's connections there. You have breakout rooms in the live session. So now you're in a room with four or four or five people and you know, another new set of connections. Um I think there was like matching, you could like sign up, accountability partners was another one um that that they definitely ran with um so you just like you stack up a bunch of these and you say, how many you know early and often get that surface area of connections for people and yeah the rest kind of takes care of itself
1: there are a lot of those things that i actually really enjoyed about ptya um, the other question that i wanted to ask you is about pricing because i feel like especially when you're starting mm. out how do you know how to price your course
0: it's it's so difficult um so there i i i I sort of came up with this idea of like picture like a barbell um yeah barbell um where you've got like you've got like the sort of low end of course prices which is more your your um self-paced stuff which is like in the hundreds of dollars and then you've got the 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 high end which is your cohort based courses which is like the three thousand dollars um and then there's the the middle part is kind of what i call the messy middle So I feel like that's a, I I found like a helpful framework for people to think of trying to be like, it's about legibility. Like, are you one of those, are you a self-paced course that has, you know, that's like a hundred to 200 or $300, or are you a a few thousand dollar course there? It's almost like there's this gray area. If you're charging like eight or $900, that's, that's like a, it's a little bit in the middle. Like what, you know, so, so that's one part of it, right? People kind of expect a certain Level of, I want to say service or experience rather at at those price points. So already that helps, right? So like, where do you want to play in that? And I often I think that ultimate goal when you're thinking of building a business around this is having one at at both ends. You know, so Ali's a great example. A lot of Skillshare type stuff you can go, and then you've got the the, you know the, the flagship. mine was the same, you know, and yeah. So like, I've got and having those both clear. So it's like on the website, right? So that if someone so there's, I have like a $10,000 thing and a $300 thing. Right? It's very, very far apart, very clear, like what the difference is. One is access to me on a regular basis, one has none. Um, and yeah, so, and then that's actually another key point is pricing and how much access they get to you. So that's where the, the premium is. So you've got, you've got like content is like the bottom of the pyramid. Um, uh, i forget what the order of the next two is but it's accountability so like are you getting people accountability mechanisms to so that's like partnering them up um you know with Ali's thing it's like five videos and there's a place to go post them get feedback that kind of thing so like accountability streak so a self-paced course might not have that right it might just have the content so then you can layer on the accountability thing then the network so that's all the community stuff we talked about and then of course as you know like the the friendships and Connections you've made through that are valuable in and of themselves, right? So that adds value to the program. And then the very top of that permit is is accessibility. So how much time do you get with you? And um, you know, Ali Ali had like an executive program um, where you could pay more, and then you had like a weekly call with just him, and it was like ten other people, you know, on that call. So so that's another way to think of it. So you can like stack, you know, to to that higher price point. Um, yeah, the rest gets into like a lot of specifics um, around like, do you do like even numbers, odd numbers? But I, I think that's like a good starting point, like sort of pick where like where you are in that spectrum. Think about that stack that I said, and that can kind of get you from the low price point to the high price point and then try to have both.
1: And regardless of where creators are on using that stack, are there any features across any type of course that you think make a good course?
0: yeah um so obviously good good quality content but i don't necessarily mean well produced like that is not necessarily important i've had a lot of great courses uh that are just loom videos you know like screen screen recording so like the content, the quality of the content and, and the insights and the knowledge that you're sharing is is more important than the production value. Production value is nice to layer on later, right? Once you, you want to like level things up. Um, so that's super key. Also with content, less is more. People don't want, oh, you're going to get 90 hours of videos with this program. Like no one wants 90 hours of videos. I want one hour of video that tells me everything I need to know, right? I want, yeah, not even, you know, so like, yeah so that's super key less is more like can you get it like you know inside dense um yeah i think like you said you know the network and the community piece is, is key so if you can have that you know we my self-paced course has that a bit like we do socials once a month and we do um we do t- uh, pairings you know so people can sign up for matched get matched with someone else and so it's it sort of like it relies a bit more on them taking the initiative to do it. So it's not because it's not a, you know, a, a co-op based course, um, but it, it works. And so some people who really, you know, get involved can do that. So I think that's a key part. Um, you know, the other, other thing is sort of related to accountability is just make it actionable. Like what are the at the end of the day, you're not teaching knowledge you know, like transferring knowledge into people's heads, you're trying to transform them to be able to do something differently. So if you can make it as practical as possible that they get like proof of work, you know, that, that shows them that they've done something, you know, that they, that they are making progress, you know, so that's huge, making it very actionable, um, and, and then just, well, I guess the last point related to that, and it's cannot, it ties into community is, is get, give ways for people to give feedback. Um, and to share their work and get feedback, right? Because that that's huge, and I think all the best courses do that and make it a big part of it. Is that you you don't, you, you it gets you out of your echo chamber of what you think good looks like, and you're getting real feedback with wh- whatever it is—a piece of writing, a video, something, anything. Um, it, that's an accelerator for for people's learning.
1: Definitely, and Ali Abdel actually offers sponsorships, and those people are meant to help with. The feedback as much as possible. So I think that's definitely something that's helped them to grow is getting that yeah. feedback.
0: Yeah, massive.
1: What are some of the common mistakes that you see creators make when they are starting online courses?
0: Yeah, um, rushing into it is definitely one. Um, and sort of putting a lot of work into pr- producing great content that you haven't like battle tested. You know, with people all that, that you've, you've gotten that feedback of what works and what resonates and what questions people have. Um, so that's a huge one. Um, not putting enough time into the community is is a big one, and I, I learned this sort of through a hard one experience. Really, with my with my course it was like realizing with how much work was in building community and how much time you had to spend you know, being part of a community, almost like modeling the behavior you wanted to see, right? You really have to, you have to do that yourself. Like no one's going to, you can't just expect it to happen and people are gonna, oh, we're gonna invite them all to this thing, give them a Slack channel and then they're all gonna just start chatting to each other, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work like that. So um, yeah, that, that, that was a big one as well, like being, um, being modeling that behavior. And then I guess like related to all of that is is get a team like when you when you're really going to get into this start to build a team um around you even just getting an assistant to begin with right because there are so many moving parts to to running a course you know from the back end like connecting everything and integrating the the technology that you're using to you know making sure that people have uh writing all the communications and getting those out and um Make scheduling things on the calendar. You know, like there's just I could go on and on. So many moving parts. So just having someone there to support you takes a huge, huge burden off you, so that you can focus on teaching, because that's ultimately the hardest part of this, right? Like, and and so all these other things you have to have rights, and you can get a course um, like a community manager. That's a, always a great idea as well if you're at that level. But the more you can sort of build that team around you, the more you can focus on. I'm teaching
1: amazing that's great advice i'm going to finish off with a fire round so i'm just going to fire some quick questions at you and you just have to answer with the first thing that comes to mind is that okay cool sounds good so what's your favorite thing about being a creator
0: the freedom to do what i want
1: and what's your favorite productivity tool
0: Oof, so many i'm like uh, obsessed with these i probably have to say i probably have to say notion
1: yeah, mine too. Um, yeah. What's one thing that gives you the most inspiration for your work?
0: Oh, seeing the light bulb go off in people when they get something and they you know, they carry that forward into whatever they're doing.
1: Oh, that's a good answer. I like that. And what's one thing that helps with your creator work-life balance?
0: Oh, that's a good one. Um, I'd say being organized in terms of capturing ideas. That's been huge, like having a place to put stuff and get get organized with that so that when I do need to sit down and write or we'll make a video, I've got all of that there ready to go and I'm just more like assembling um, rather than starting from scratch.
1: And what's one piece of advice that you'd give to other creators?
0: I'd say be yourself. Be true to who you are. Every single person has an online course in them you have the ability to teach something that you've learned to someone else. And no matter how small you might think it it is to you, that's only relative to you. Right. And there are people out there who, who'd love to learn that stuff. So, um, you know, be true to yourself, find what you're passionate about and, and, and make sure you're teaching that to others. Cause if everyone teaches everyone else in this world, like we're in for a much better place.
1: That's really beautiful. I love that. Thank you so much, Andrew. This has been so insightful and I'm sure it's going to be so helpful for other creators who want to start online courses.
0: Uh, Thanks for having me, Akta.
1: Andrew Barry has given me so much inspiration when it comes to online courses, especially this idea of using feedback from your audience to be able to shape that course. If you think you've got an online course in you and you want some help, you can find Andrew Barry on Twitter and on his website. Thanks so much for listening into our conversation, and join us on Twitter at Get Passion Fruit if you are a creator who wants to move their business forward. Stay passionate, and I'll see you in the next one.